You're listening to You've Been Hanged, hosted by Hank Griffin, writer, man of faith, Parkinson's warrior, traveling man, and storyteller. Wonderful stories, home cooking, thoughtful lessons, and candor about life with Parkinson's are his to share. Relax for the next several minutes with your friend, neighbor, and brother who loves you. Friday Nights in Beautiful, Part 1. When my brothers and I were still just little fellers, we spent every single weekend that we possibly could with my great-uncle Carl. He really was great in every sense of the word that little boys could possibly ever care about. Uncle Carl grew up in Oklahoma. It's a testament to his real and enduring greatness that I even mention that Texans don't necessarily like folks from Oklahoma as a rule. Uncle Carl was different. He grew up farming cotton with his family. Eventually, the Dust Bowl drove the family off the farm and on towards California. If you'd like to know more about how Uncle Carl was ultimately blessed, and it was a blessing to wind up in Texas, check out the earlier episode of You've Been Hank titled Fleeing the Dust Bowl, where I relate that story. Weekends spent at Uncle Carl's home were a treat. My mother and natural father divorced while we were still just babies. Both of them were young themselves when they did so. It was a gift to have a steady, safe port in that awful storm that raged for years. Uncle Carl never married. He had no children. Already old when I was born, he'd lived a long, lonely life. Uncle Carl loved us boys deeply and made room in his otherwise quiet life for us from the time I was still in diapers. Us boys were all boy. When we worked, we worked hard. When we played, we played hard. We had the ability to build and tear down with equally ferocious tenacity. Sometimes Uncle Carl had work for us to do. When he asked, we delivered. After all, he was always there for us. Whether it was cutting the grass, shredding the pasture, building fence, digging holes, picking up pecans, tending the garden, feeding the cows, hauling hay, breaking ice on the pool so the cows could get a drink of water during the freezing weather. Yeah, that's a real thing. Helping deliver baby calves. Walking the awful old bull to the pool and back for drinks of water. Cutting down trees, planting trees, making repairs to the house, shed or barn or anything else. We were willing and able to attack the problem under his competent direction with relish and gusto. Likewise, when it was time to play, we played hard. We played to win. Uncle Carl owned nearly 50 acres. All of it was ours to exhaust ourselves on any time we were there. We walked, ran, skipped over, around, and across every single blade of grass. We swam and fished in one or both of his two stock tanks. We dug sassafras roots to make sassafras tea, an early precursor to root beer. We picked pears, figs, hackberries, blackberries, dewberries, mulberries, poke salad figs, and passion fruit, which we ate fresh, in pies, cobblers, and if there was an old woman who wanted any, in the jam, jelly, and preserves, she was wise to share with Uncle Carl if she hoped ever to score free fruit again in the future. We picked up and ate all the pecans three boys and one old man could ever possibly eat. 
We filled many five-gallon buckets full to share with others. In Uncle Carl's stock tank, we fished and swam. When we fished, he fished with us. There were catfish and perch there to be caught, and catch them we did. Those the old man deemed worthy were carried back up to the house to be fried for our dinner or our supper. When we swam, Uncle Carl always took down his ancient single-shot 12-gauge from its usual place on the wall above the television. He'd never known life without that old gun. It was his father's before him. Dad bought this second hand when he married my mother, Uncle Carl liked to say. He enjoyed talking about his father, who he loved and respected. He also talked about his mother, but less frequently and more reverently. She died when he was still a young boy. I remember that look, the one that sometimes crossed his face when he spoke of her. I didn't know then, as I do now, that it was a manifestation of grief he'd carried longer than most people will ever live. That old gun was black with age on both the wood and the metal. It was made in a time when manufacturing processes were less advanced than those we know today. The barrel was not forged, but what he called twist steel. A consequence of that manufacturing process was a gun that couldn't hold up to modern heavy loads. He adjusted accordingly. As we swam, Uncle Carl sat on the bank of the pool, keeping watch for snakes. He was, for the most part, content to let us spend as much time in the water as we cared to, so long as no snakes appeared. When one or more did appear, Uncle Carl called, You boys, get out of the water. We knew that he meant it, and never argued. Instead, we got out of the water with purpose and haste. When we were clear, Uncle Carl drew aim, fired a single shot. It never took more than a single shot. And we watched the snake, usually a water moxkin, in its death curls. When the show was over, we knew our time in the water was also over. Uncle Carl was unusually generous with us boys in terms of his time, patience, and willingness to put up with our shenanigans. That said, there were red lines that we learned not to cross. For example, the radio was sacrosanct. Little hands were never to even touch, never mind changing the station. When the weather was about to come on, we knew we should stop talking. Uncle Carl, a lifelong farmer, was damn serious about the weather forecast. Other red lines. Monday through Friday at 10 a.m., the prices right came on. Uncle Carl never missed the prices right for anything less than a funeral, and even then, it had to be the funeral of someone he really loved or really hated and wished to be sure to pay his final respects one way or the other. At 2 p.m. each weekday, Uncle Carl watched The Guiding Light. More than almost any other program, that was the one he held most dear. The fact is, aside from us boys and his own siblings who he rarely saw, there wasn't anyone that Uncle Carl wanted to see drive up his driveway on any particular day. If you did so, you needed to understand that at 2 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday, Uncle Carl was going to watch The Guiding Light, whether you were there or not. If you wished to remain welcome in his home, you had to accept that unwavering truth and not interrupt the show. At 6.30, the evening news came on. 
At 10, the nightly news. At 10.30, it was Johnny Carson. These are all part of the deal. We knew it, accepted it, and tried our best to pipe down and let the man watch the news. And if we were able to stay awake that long, we'd chuckle along with him at the antics of Carson and McMahon. Most of the rest of the time, Uncle Carl was willing to let us look at most anything we wanted to on any of the five channels available in Beautiful. Oh, I, I say five. Technically, there were six channels, but channels seven and eight were the same thing. The only real difference was the news. Channel eight broadcast from Dallas, channel seven from Tyler. When it came to television, there was only one real enduring disagreement between us boys and our truly excellent great-uncle. That argument happened on Friday nights. Every Friday night began with supper. Dinner, for those of you who weren't raised in beautiful East Texas, is the midday meal. Supper is eaten in the evenings. Uncle Carl liked to prepare supper early enough to be able to sit down and eat it over a TV tray in the front room. That was the room in the front of the house while the evening news played. After supper... We might watch whatever came on at seven or not. It wasn't critical. However, by eight, things were getting real serious in terms of quality television programming. At 8 p.m. every Friday night, the Duke boys came on. Short of a tornado warning, the President of the United States of America interrupting regularly scheduled programming or a power outage, we never missed the Duke boys. Just a good old boy. Or Daisy. It was after the Duke boys that the trouble began. Uncle Carl loved to watch a weekly soap opera there at 9 p.m. on Friday night called Dallas. Dallas, in those days, was new. It was not part of the normal routine that we all accepted as a consequence of its familiarity. My brothers and I did not want to accept this new introduction to our Friday night routine. However, Uncle Carl was unusually determined that we were going to do exactly that. After a couple of weeks of unaccustomed contention, our wise old uncle tried a new tactic. The Duke boys had just ended. My brothers and I began grousing at the thought of setting through yet another hour of the hated soap opera. Now, I don't want to watch this. Can we please watch something else? One of the younger boys asked. Yeah, I, I hate that show, I agreed. Uncle Carl, to our surprise, brought out a large white porcelain bowl full of hot buttered popcorn. The smell of hot buttered popcorn filled the room. Our mouths began to water. What is that? Our youngest brother asked. Can we all share it? The next youngest asked. Where did you get that? I wanted to know. Uncle Carl had no microwave. In those days, most people didn't have a microwave, and he definitely didn't. The popcorn was hot, steaming from recent heat, and really did smell oh so good. I'm going to eat this while I watch Dallas, the old man said. Anyone who wants to share it with me can, if you can sit quietly and watch the show with me. We don't like Dallas, I said. You don't have to like it. You're welcome to just sit here with me and eat this hot, fresh butter popcorn while I watch it. You might be surprised, though, he said. Surprised how? I asked. If you pay attention to the program, you might be surprised to find you really like it. 
And that's how it started. Just a couple of Friday nights in Beautiful Later, we were hooked. The comings and goings of the Ewan family, the price of a barrel of oil, the drama surrounding J.R., who shot him, whether or not Pam would ever come back, the death of Jock, and the connivance of that no-account Cliff Barnes. Suddenly it all mattered from then on until the show ended or we began to be more interested in girls and sometimes with the girls Dallas was, like the Du Bois, an important part of Friday Night Seemed Beautiful. Who would have ever imagined that truly good, sweet, extraordinary, and genuinely good man would have tried, much less have succeeded, in getting three little boys hooked on the biggest primetime soap opera of the late 70s and 80s? But he did. Much love, Hank. You've been hanked. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. I hope you enjoyed the story. Your financial support of the podcast is invited and most appreciated. When you invest in my work, you make possible the purchase of badly needed equipment and help ensure the show's ongoing viability. Increasingly, I'm asked why You've Been Hanked does not appear on YouTube. In order to make that possible, new equipment and software is needed. If you'd like to see, in addition to hearing the show, please consider becoming a paid subscriber, or a cash contribution to provide support for the show's growth. Enjoy You've Been Hanked But Don't Have the Funds to Help? A five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify would be most appreciated. Additionally, when you share and recommend the show to your friends and family, you help us grow, and we appreciate it. Thanks for listening and all you do to support You've Been Hanked. I'm Hank. Look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening to You've Been Hanked. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. It's easy and really makes a difference. Please help Hank help others by increasing the reach of You've Been Hanked.